This is a podcast from the Irish to the rescue, the tercentenary of the Polish princess Clementina's escape. This seminar was organized on the occasion of the tercentenary of the rescue of the Polish princess Maria Clementina Sobieska from captivity in Innsbruck in April 1719 by a small group of Irish and French people in a most dramatic fashion. The event took place in Europe House in Dublin on the 30th of April 2019 and was generously sponsored by the Embassy of the Republic of Poland in Dublin, the Embassy of France in Ireland, the Alliance Française Dublin, Rathmines College of Further Education, the Technological University of Dublin and Dublin City Council. In this episode, a recording of a paper by Estelle Jittens from Trinity College Dublin. Her paper was entitled Princess Clementina's Marriage Certificate and Other Jacobite Relics in the Library of Trinity College Dublin. Thank you very much. And thank you very much for inviting me uh, as well. I'm an archivist in the Manuscripts and Archives section at Trinity. Um, I'm very privileged to look after what I, in my opinion, uh, some of the most remarkable cultural artefacts on the island. So I'm very fortunate to work in this building here, which is the long room of the old library at Trinity. Now, there has been a library at Trinity since it was founded in 1592, and collecting has been fairly continuous since that time. But there are actually lots of preconceptions about what is actually housed in the library at Trinity, perhaps because of this manuscript here. Um, This is possibly the most famous manuscript in our collection. This is the Book of Kells. Uh, But we also look after over 11,000 collections of manuscripts and archives, which can range from a fragment of papyri through to, say, 200 boxes of estate papers. Collections come in many different physical formats. They're not just paper or books. We hold everything from uh, clay cuneiform tablets through the medieval manuscript collection for which we're most famous, modern literary papers like uh, the papers of Samuel Beckett, through to the memory sticks that come in today with the born digital archives of today. We curate many exhibitions ourselves, but another aspect of our job is managing the loans of our manuscript material to other institutions, often abroad, for their own exhibitions. And this is where I come to the Jacobite manuscripts in the collection. Back in 2016, two of these manuscripts were requested on loan for the National Museum of Scotland's Bonnie Prince Charlie and the Jacobites exhibition. This was the first major exhibition on this theme in over 70 years. It traced the ambitions of the Stuarts and their supporters from the defeat of James II at the Battle of the Boyne in 1690 to the downfall of Bonnie Prince Charlie at Culloden in 1746. It was absolutely spectacular. It was billed as a -a once-in-a-lifetime gathering of over 350 items, paintings, costumes, jewellery, documents, weapons and glassware. Um, The curators were telling me there were around 150 loans, which is just staggering nowadays for an international exhibition like this. And they were loaned from a wide range of private and public collections, such as the Musée du Louvre, the V&A, the Royal Collection, the British Museum, as well as the Library of Trinity College Dublin. Now, international loans are um, something that are never undertaken lightly. The preparations can be very lengthy and complicated. In this case, work began a year ahead of the opening of the exhibition. 
library staff liaised with our counterparts at the National Museum of Scotland, as well as with exhibition designers, conservators, art handlers, and we negotiated loan agreements, facilities reports, insurance documentation, export licences, courier itineraries and reports. It's a wonder anything gets loaned to any institution at all. Uh, the two manuscripts were photographed and they were also treated by our conservation department ahead of their Scottish journey. What you see here uh, on the left is our, uh, one of our conservators along with the National Museum of Scotland conservator just before the marriage certificate was installed in the exhibition. And so on the right-hand side, you can see the marriage certificate in its case itself, along with very many other loans. Um, as the person responsible for the loan from our end, I was also responsible for investigating the provenance or the history of the loan items themselves. So here we come uh, to the marriage certificate of, of these two, James III and the teenage Polish princess Maria Clementina Sobieska. Um, the portrait of James on the right is by Antonio David and was painted in 1717. And the portrait of Clementina, which we've seen before in the previous talks, um, is from 1727 and is from Martin van Meitens, and that's the one in the Scottish National Portrait Gallery. And both of them, I think, were loaned for the exhibition. So this is um, the document itself. It's made out of a number of leaves of prepared vellum or calfskin. It's bound in a red leather and gold tool binding. Clearly, it is a presentation object. It's highly decorated throughout. Um, the binding has papal emblems such as the crown uh, and the keys and highly tooled gold. The elaborate frontispiece of the marriage certificate on the right bears the combined Stuart and Sobieski coats of arms. Above a rendition of a hilltop village, um, now, I've looked at loads of pictures of Montefiascani, um, where the marriage took place, uh, near Lake Bolsena, north of Rome, and it does bear a striking resemblance, so that's what it could indeed be. It was the summer residence of the Pope and the location of the wedding. Um, one of the benefits of coming at this point in the programme is that you all know the story of the marriage, so I can completely skip over that bit because Richard's done such an amazing job of, of talking about it. But I'll just point out in the interior of the document, you can see uh, the reference at the top on the right-hand side here to um, Clementina in her new British royal status, but also the third name down amongst the witnesses, that's Charles Wogan. Uh, in the Latin style, um, Carolus Wogan. So one of the advantages of gathering together so many items from so many different institutions is that manuscripts can be displayed alongside other objects related to the same event. So the Edinburgh exhibition featured a silver medal struck to commemorate the rescue. There's a number of these in circulation. Uh, they come up at auction houses um, from time, time again. Uh, so this, this medal was struck uh, to commemorate the rescue and um, the possible axle breaking of the carriage. Um, and as well, there were very many portraits um, of the bride and groom, as well as this print, um, which is an imagining of the marriage ceremony itself. This one um, comes from the National Museum of Scotland themselves. The second of the manuscripts that we loaned to the exhibition was the Book of Private Devotions of James II, Clementine's father-in-law, written between 1698 to 1700, so around eight years on from his defeat at the Battle of the Boyne. 
James was nearing the end of his life. He was exiled in Saint-Germain-en-Laye, where he was subsidised by Louis XIV of France. So this book um, is a small book of very private devotions. It's gathered together. It's a, a, what's called a composite manuscript. So it's not a complete notebook that we would have nowadays, but something that has been collected by scribble-down uh, memoirs, letters, prayers, all in James's own hand. And it provides a window into what was his sort of psychological state uh, at the time. And, and he has many pious obsessions and, and many pieces of advice. We don't know quite who for, but it's mainly don't go to balls. Um, it's perhaps the better known of the two manuscripts because it has been published. So how did the manuscripts find themselves in Ireland in the first place? Well, on the death of Bonnie Prince Charlie, both passed into the hands of the last surviving Stuart claim to the throne, and Clementina's other son, Henry, Cardinal Duke of York. On his death in Rome in 1807, most of the Stuart pa state papers in his possession were purchased by the English crown. But some of the more personal items, including his parents' marriage certificate, remained with members of the Cardinal's circle in Rome. In the decades that followed, however, these were duly sold off in piecemeal fashion to foreign tourists. The purchaser of the Trinity manuscripts was Blaney Townley Balfour, whose dates are 1799 to 1882. He was the fourth of that name of Townley Hall in Drogheda. As we know image of him, you'll have to make do with this one of Townley Hall. Um, and this is actually the linking point in the provenance because Townley Hall was acquired by Trinity College in the 1960s along with some of its contents and that's how the manuscripts found their way into the library. The family was well used to foreign travel and Blaney himself was Lieutenant Governor, Governor of the Bahamas between 1833 and 35. After his return to Ireland he became, like his father before him, High Sheriff of County Louth in 1841 and married Elizabeth Catherine Raynal of Westmeath in 1843. But in the intervening year, he travelled to Rome, where he purchased a series of important items connected to the Stuarts, including a number of personal effects, three portraits, and the two manuscripts at Trinity. Balfour wrote a couple of short accounts of his purchases, including the following, which was transcribed by his son, Blaney Raynal Townley Balfour, for the 1925 publication of the Book of Devotions of James II. So he says... 1842, the things in this drawer were purchased by me this spring from the Marquis Malatesta in an old house at the foot of the capital stairs. He inherited them from an uncle, an intimate friend of the Cardinal York's, who left them to him. They are relics of the Stuart family. The Book of Devotions had never been brought out of the family till it left Cardinal York's house. Now, Townley Balfour's son, in the same publication, also goes on to state that, and I'm quoting here again as well, among the relics purchased by my father were three portraits of Prince James the Chevalier, Prince Charles Edward and Cardinal York. There was also the marriage certificate of Prince James and Marie Clementina of Poland. Now one of the portraits mentioned a shoulder-length pastel likeness of a man in armour by Maurice Quinton de la Tour with the same provenance as the Trinity manuscripts appeared at auction in 1994. It was purchased by the Scottish National Portrait Gallery as depicting Bonnie Prince Charlie. It seems to have been the source of a, a, a numerous presumed likenesses of him. However, in 2008, it was the subject of a high-profile re-evaluation 
by Bendor Grosvenor that re-identified the sitter as Charles's brother, Henry. So you can actually find out quite a lot about this. There was even a TV programme about it. I'd encourage you to Google it. There's an awful lot out there. As regards the other items purchased by Blaney Townley Balfour in Rome in 1842, we cannot know the full extent of what might have been kept in the drawer mentioned in his description. But in other accounts, he makes reference to a Stuart-owned pencil case and riding whip. Furthermore, a seal, an amber flask and a scent bottle belonging to the Cardinal are all listed as having been purchased by Townley Balfour from the Malatester family in Bernard W. Kelly's Life of Cardinal York, which was published in 1899. During the course of my research into all of this, I managed to track down this bloodstone seal of James II to Hever Castle in Kent, which they acquired at auction as well in 2000. The commercial market for the material culture of the Jacobites has always been strong, whether that is archival material produced by the Stuarts themselves or items owned by them or produced for them, through to later miniatures and glassware produced for admirers, incorporating supposed secret symbols of loyalty. A ring with a semi-precious stone, but with a cast iron provenance back to a Jacobite who fought at Culloden, sold at a provincial UK auction in February this year for ten times its estimate. So the appetite is still very, very much there and, and yields a lot in terms of monetary value. We don't know why Townley Balfour purchased these Jacobite relics. It could be a case of a tourist snapping up collectibles with celebrity appeal, or it could also be a, simple, a symptom of a deeper fascination with the cause. The 19th century romanticisation of the Jacobite saga was enhanced by the popularity of Walter Scott's Waverley, and a number of Scott's work, works were also included in the Townley Hall Library, which is also now within the Library of Trinity College. This tradition continues to this day with the enormous success of the Outlander books and TV series. And in fact, the cast of Outlander were invited to the National Museum of Scotland as part of the exhibition. But whatever the reason, I'm very glad that he bought these items and brought them to Ireland, and I'm very grateful to you all for letting me tell you about them today. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Irish to the Rescue, the tercentenary of the Polish Princess Clementina's escape. If you would like to listen back to more podcasts from the seminar, please go to historyhub.ie forward slash podcasts.